Hello everyone. Welcome to Making Data Speak and I am your host Sachin Tong. The amount of data we produce every day is truly mind-boggling. 90% of today's data is created in the last 2 years. The current pace of data capturing poses a significant challenge for data professional in terms of how to manage and utilize data. The Making Data Speak podcast series is the result of my passion to explore both the art and science of data. In each episode we unveil the hidden stories, connect points and paint the data picture for businesses and consumers together with thought leaders and experts across the region. Don't forget to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or on my website sachintong.com. Stay tuned for more. This is a podcast disclaimer before we start the session. The content of this podcast does not and is not meant to provide professional advice. The views, information and opinions expressed during Making Data Speak podcast are solely those of individuals involved and do not represent the individuals, current or past employer, organization or committee. Data is the new oil. and we need to empower its usage without compromising data privacy for better decision making the only way forward is synthetic data as it is a representation of the real data itself it is critical to distinguish which environments will hold the production data and which will hold the synthetic data in my view synthetic data will be a game changer as it will help the organizations to achieve operational efficiency reduce data risk and swift product rollouts which we call speed to market so now we have better data for better future hello friends i am glad to introduce uzair and kevin from better data who has taken time out to discuss on synthetic data welcome uzair welcome kevin yeah thank you sachin yeah we're really excited to be here thank you for having us sachin we are very excited to be here and uh, it's our first podcast glad let's get started then So I think everybody understands the importance of machine learning, AI, data, digital transformation, and all the digital transformation, data transformation requires a lot of data to analyze, to understand, to test. Can you explain us what is synthetic data and what are the real use cases? Uzair, let's start with you, and Kevin, please feel free to pitch in. So let's start with synthetic data. So when we talk about data, we can segment it out into two different domains. The first one is the real data. So the real data is anything you go out in the world literally to collect. It can be like on a very mass scale, like collecting user data for an application on a daily basis or getting sensor readings over a period of time. But when we talk about synthetic data, it is artificially created using computer simulations or algorithms. But the good thing right now is with the help of advancements in AI, it has become so realistic that it actually can represent real data both statistically and mathematically so what it means for companies is if i use real data now with synthetic data my results are going to be similar so this is evident from a report that gartner released earlier in this year that by 2030 most of the training data that will be used for ai and ml models will be all created artificially so this goes on to say that synthetic data is indeed the future. Kevin, what is your views? I think that Uzair covered most of what synthetic data is about and I think that I think he gave a really really holistic view of what's the difference between real and synthetic data. 
Yeah. So I think I'm leaning towards one clarification, right? I do appreciate that synthetic data is the future. But at the same time, you know, getting synthetic data generated, isn't it an overburden for the companies because they might have to invest in generating synthetic data? So we are talking about cost efficiency as well. So basically, synthetic data generation managing also is is a kind of overhead. So why can't in the use cases, we can use the real sample data or limited sample data and then use that. So what's your view, Kevin, on that? I think that you raised a really interesting point, right? When it comes to synthetic data generation, we always think that we need, you know, really, really complex rules to generate this good synthetic data. And this is really, really time consuming and it's difficult, right, to get experts to craft these rules. But I think you raised an interesting point, right? What if we can use actual data, we can learn the structure and characteristics of actual data to actually produce synthetic data. So I think this actually, we need to understand a bit about the evolution of synthetic data. The origins actually started from rule-based synthetic data. It can be a simple rule such as, you know, want to create our NRIC or social security number. It's just one alphabet and seven digits. But this is simple rules and you can go all the way to complex rules that models the different relationships between the variables. And when these rules are strained together, they can even create simulation models. But all of this is all based on the premise that we need human expertise to create these rules and to in order to generate synthetic data. And this requires um, a lot of human labor. It's difficult to do and it's not scalable, especially when it comes to really, really complex data sets. But I think the mode that you just described of learning from actual data, that is the future of synthetic data. And that's when we can actually introduce these AI methods to actually produce synthetic data. So instead of defining the rules, we let the model learn from the data itself And then after that, we use the models to generate synthetic data from it. This is a class of model known as generative models. So there are actually countless types of different generative models. But today, I want to focus on the most promising one, which is actually a deep learning model known as generative adversarial network or GANs. So these are actually the same models used in deepfakes, the ones we see frequently in the media of producing these really, really realistic faces of people, but it's actually all fake people. How the model actually produces these really, really realistic faces of people is by training on tens and thousands of actual faces of people. And we are actually using the same models of deepfakes, but we apply to structured data, which is anything that you can fit into an Excel sheet instead of images to produce synthetic data over a better data. So essentially, this is a fully automated process which can scale to any amount of complex data sets and synthetic engines can be easily updated as more and more data comes in. And there's no business rule required compared to the original rule-based methods because all of the rules is actually learned from the data itself thing which I really liked is that learning from the data itself. Because every time the data set or the data attributes or the data elements will change. But if we have a mechanism where the synthetic data is generated after learning from the real data, that will be more meaningful for the synthetic data. Now, as you mentioned, that it is a fully automated process and it is not required a domain knowledge or data knowledge in terms of creating business rules which also creates a very important point of success of synthetic data because rules can create some rules and at the same time, nobody can guarantee that all the rules are 
100%. You might miss some rules as well. So I think I do agree that synthetic data will be the future. And at the same time, when it has the capability to learn from the real data. Let's Uzer, take your feedback or view of why synthetic data has become so important now itself, because it's been for last six months or one year, or maybe one and a half years, we are seeing more traction on this topic and people are really understanding the importance of synthetic data. So why synthetic data has become so important immediately now? So Sachin, as you yourself are a director of data privacy, so privacy is your second nature for now. And But for our audience here, if you go back to 2018, when GDPR was mandated in the Europe, it directly affected 28 million businesses worldwide. And that's a huge number. And that's where EU said, you know what, I'm going to take control of data from the enterprises, from the organizations, and put it back into the hands of the people. Then CCPA, like the California Consumer Privacy Act, followed in the U.S. in 2020, and recently in Singapore, they introduced the enhanced PDPA as well. Just like two weeks ago, China introduced their new data security law as well. So the first factor is the increasing regulations. And secondly, as more and more data breaches happen, like just a week ago as well, there was a massive data breach in Circle's telco carrier here in Singapore, which leaked around 800,000 records. So these breaches are also increasing the awareness of users. And users now are becoming more conscious that, hey, I'm using this product or I'm using this company. They have my data. What if something goes wrong? Will I have to change my platform or will I get closed? And all those consequences are going to follow. So these two factors are something that businesses now have to maintain. I have to be compliant as well as I have to manage my user expectations. So what it means for real data right now is it cannot be used without explicit user consent. And normally for a data professional or a data team, if they want to get access to the real data internally or externally within an organization, they get the anonymized version of it. Now, what do I mean by anonymization is uh, if you look at the current data landscape, real data, you have 100% utility, but 0% privacy because it's all exposed. And with anonymization, we make a trade of that. You know what? I am sharing my data with this data team or with this data professional. And depending on their risk appetite, I am going to reduce the utility of the data set, which involves data anonymization. So from the analysis and more than 100 customer conversations that we have seen, the information gets destroyed and the utility gets reduced by like 20 to 80%, depending on different use cases. And ultimately, the data team or the professionals that get access to the data, it is not representative of the real data itself. So it creates a lot of back and forth. This whole process can take three to 12 months. And ultimately, okay, it took its time, but the data I got, it's also very poor in quality. So synthetic data is the only solution going forward that is powered by GANs, as Kevin mentioned earlier, which can produce representative, realistic data and can maintain like the statistical qualities of the original data itself. So now instead of thinking about, hey, do I have to destroy the information? What is the risk appetite of my team? I will give them the best of the both worlds. So they will get maximum utility. They will get maximum privacy. So using these methods now, when we talk about these three to 12 months of access to data time, it can be reduced to a matter of days, literally like 
two to five day stops. And at the same time, it doesn't have any privacy risks or legal complications. No, I think that's a great point. Uzair, speed to market is one of the important things which all the clients are looking for. Yes. And nowadays, if the speed of market is not there, then exactly. you're losing a big time. You, you will be far behind of your competitors. A lot of missed opportunities. Yes. So from our perspective, speed to market is very important. And at the same time, as you rightly pointed about data privacy, data privacy is, is one of the key important factors. Nowadays, products which are being developed, so they, we call it as a data privacy by design. There is no choice that you have to have a data privacy by design. That means whatever the products you are launching out, you have to keep data privacy from the aspect. I think one good thought which is coming to my mind right now is that it will also help us in a lot of research and development in terms of doing POCs or prototypes because I have seen in my own experience and you guys can also pitch in, right, that when it comes to POCs with small vendors, big vendors, or trying to solve the real use cases for businesses or for any kind of enterprise, it's always a challenge to get hold of the data and free flow of the data to be spread across so that people don't worry about the privacy aspect. They can actually use the data to generate the POCs and prototype. So, Kevin, what is your view on this? Do you think that because of synthetic data, your POC and prototype will be much faster and you will see much more enhancement coming out or the whole kind of product lifecycle will improve? Of course, I think when it comes to privacy, I think you as well as Uzziah really rightfully mentioned that synthetic data is actually what enables us to get good synthetic data while being private at the same time compared to using actual data. But I think when it actually comes to creating better products, such as in testing or in production, one of the big benefits of synthetic data is actually to produce better and more robust data to create better and more robust AI models. And I think it's really interesting that there's no better example to highlight than the recent Facebook case where they actually had to apologize for the AI system putting a primate label on video of dark-skinned men. And this is still under investigation by their team, but there could be many factors that cause it. And one thing could be biased data used to train the AI model. But another reason could be that this particular case was a rare and crucial corner case where the model just lacked diverse training data to distinguish the two labels of a person as well as a primate. So data diversity is just so important to produce really, really good models, especially those put into production, just to make sure that any of these rare edge cases gets captured. And I think this is something which we are also doing over at Better Data, where we produce, where we have an AI synthetic data enhancement toolkit. And this lets us create like more synthetic permutations of data, especially for these rare cases such as in fraud, where we can actually upsample these rare cases by up to 10 times. And the AI models that's being trained on this synthetic data can actually perform much better in live production and make much less mistakes on any edge cases. And we can also do things like data bias reduction and correction, where we want to remove any unwanted correlation between different data features that could possibly cause the AI model to be biased. And I think all of this, when added together, will produce AI models that is much better 
and it really speeds up the production as well as testing time with all of this additional data that we have on hand. So I think, Kevin, the next obvious question or the topic we should discuss now is the focus on ethical AI, right? You use the word bias as well, right? So I personally think that the evolution of synthetic data, it is very critical because it will actually help to develop the trust on the AI engines as well. And the ethical AI cannot be seen in isolation. It has to be seen in conjunction together with with synthetic data. So Uzair, what's your view in terms of how synthetic data will help to promote ethical AI in the industry? So when we talk about the real world data acquisition, ideally we would like to have a balance between all of the features that we are collecting. Let's say if we are talking about digital inclusion, one might say that, hey, you know what, go out there, I need 25% of white people, 25% of black people, so on and so forth. But the nature of the acquisition itself is not perfect and it is not feasible to acquire data the way we want it to be. So that's where synthetic data comes into the picture and we are using our own proprietary method of conditional generation that, hey, you know what, you have this reference data set which is hugely imbalanced and you want to address issues like fairness, ethical concerns, trustworthiness, diversity, inclusivity, we will give you the control over the data that you want to produce. So in essence, if they have a region or if they have a class or a race which is underrepresented in the real data sets, we give them the ability now that, hey, before you train this model, because it is definitely going to get biased on this data set, first take this engine, balance out your data sets, train your model, and then you can replicate it on the real world data sets. So your analysis, at least the foundation of them are balanced. I think it uh, makes sense. And I think ethical AI is very important nowadays and synthetic data will definitely help to promote ethical AI and more trust on the AI. Now, I think I just wanted to come back to Kevin. Data quality is always a big issue. The way I understand is synthetic data is dependent on the sample data, what is being used, because that is the the data which the model will learn in order to generate the synthetic data. So the obvious question will be that garbage in, garbage out. So what is the kind of technique or tricks? Can we actually enhance synthetic data in such a way that even if we have limited data set or not optimal data set, but we can generate synthetic data and further can improve the quality by adding few parameters or few data attributes ourselves. Is it possible? So one thing would be like filling in the missing blank. So that's something that they can do. The other thing would be like data extrapolation. So if we have a data set of a subpopulation, like maybe we have a data set of customers aged 20 to 80, we can actually upsample it to actually extrapolate it to a larger population. As we understand garbage in, garbage out, because synthetic data is produced on the sample data. If the sample data has data quality issues, you will also get quality issues in synthetic data. So my question is that, is it possible to extrapolate synthetic data to make sure that the scenario and the coverage is much better, even though the sample data which has been given to produce synthetic data is limited? So I think that garbage in, garbage out is an entirely correct analysis of how you know data and machine learning model and AI in general is like. 
But I think when it comes to um, synthetic data, one of the interesting things that we can do is actually we can change the distribution of the data. So assuming we get a data set that is not complete, um, let's say it's a customer data set, and we only have customers ages, say, 30 to 50, we can actually use that data set of 30 to 50 years old and extrapolate it to maybe 20 to 80 years old using synthetic data. So these are some of the uh, use cases that we can have using synthetic data. But I think when it comes to garbage in, garbage out, the premise still holds. Um, the data cannot be entirely garbage, but what we can do is to enhance the data from where it's at. No, I think it's, it's very true that you know it cannot be completely garbage because we cannot expect magic out of garbage if, if, if the data quality is not there. So I just wanted to wrap up the discussion. And before that, I just wanted to ask you a couple of things. We do mention and we do understand that structured data is much better as compared to unstructured data. But the models are required to do image processing, models are required to do biometrics, and models are required to do scans and all those things, right? So what is the future of synthetic data in these kind of scenarios where you have image processing and you know you have not a clear structured data, which we call as unstructured data? So I think when it comes to synthetic data, the whole idea behind these defects and GAN models is that it actually all started with imagery data. Actually, we realized that a lot of companies, they actually needed um, synthetic data on structured data because this is what a lot of companies are using for their business decisions, their business analysis. But I think when it comes to images, this is a very interesting proposition. And there's a handful of companies that is actually working on synthetic images, like creating synthetic images of faces of people, changing their emotions, changing what they are saying, what they're doing, just through like um, image manipulation. But the problem with synthetic images is that because um, it's in an unstructured domain, it's particularly difficult to generate really, really good images. If we can see something is a little bit off, like maybe if a human is missing one year, it immediately looks like a fake data. So while there's many, many interesting um, use cases, like maybe in the medical field where we have tumor scans and we are trying to detect rare cases of tumors, we can produce more cases of these rare tumors, right? Synthetically generate and then after that, we can actually use it to train models that can detect tumors at a much higher percentage rate. But of course, to produce all of these images is extremely difficult. But I think this is an interesting challenge that we have today. And um, better data is also, we'll be looking into this um, somewhat in the future. Fantastic. Zed, do you want to say anything? So Kevin gave you the technical details and on our front, as we are focused on structured data, one of the requirements that we got from our customers was free text fields within the columns of a data set. So that's where like normally you have this one column I can put in a random comment about my customer or someone. How can we use that and synthesize data from it? So essentially it's an unstructured problem within the structured loop. So that is a natural language processing problem. Moving forward, we will be tackling that. And as Kevin mentioned, ultimately what better data wants to be is the synthetic data providers for structured as well as unstructured data. So that's the vision we are building towards. Okay, Kevin, I wanted to understand from you that how can we evaluate how good or bad synthetic data is? How we will build the confidence on synthetic data before passing on this data? to the testers or to the models for evaluation? I think when it comes to synthetic data, there are two things that users really care about. Is it safe and is it useful? 
So when it comes to safety, we generally use different privacy metrics to determine how safe this data is. And one of it is um, the synthetic data guarantee that there is no overlapping synthetic records to the original records. One of the big problems um, with anonymized or real data is that they're all in its original roles. And by being all in the original roles, it can be susceptible to attacks such as re-identification attacks. So what we do in synthetic data is we just measure, just to make sure that synthetic data has no overlapping roles with the original data. Besides this, we also make sure that there is a minimum distance between synthetic data and the original data. And we just measure the synthetic data and compare all of the distance between the synthetic data and the original data, just to make sure that there's no synthetic data that is too close to any original data. Those which is too close, we just weed out. And I think how we achieve that is through a really interesting technique called differential privacy to make sure that synthetic data is sufficiently different. Uzai, do you want to talk a bit more about it? So when we talk about uh, differential privacy, it is the gold standard in privacy preserving technologies, one of the gold standards out there. And what it does is it adds a statistical noise to your data sets. So for example, if we have a categorical column that whether a customer will leave a bank or not, so you have these two options. And then what differential privacy does here is it randomizes the responses. And for example, if you talk about age, and those are discrete numbers, so 25, 30, 35, what differential privacy does is adds noise in terms of amplitude. So instead of 25, it will make it maybe 26 or 25 or 24, sorry. So what it does is when we talk about two different data sets and I need to get some analytics out of them, my responses have to be identical. This means that whether a certain data set has more or less records than the other one, an attacker cannot guarantee or guess that which database is the one that I have to go after and therefore, even if he queries and attacks both of the data sets, he gets the same response. And in the end, he cannot guess. You know, I think it's a very interesting topic and it will also make sense to understand how good or bad is the, the synthetic data because unless you have that kind of visibility, you'll be not confident how the models or how your product is will work when it, when it comes to hit production. So before we wrap it up, any final comments uh, Uzair, maybe to wrap up this discussion, what do you think about synthetic data in one or two lines? Sure. Sure, Sachin. So as I mentioned, like uh, data privacy regulations are only going to get more and more strict. Uh, user awareness, they are only going to get more and more educated and aware. And because of work from home being the new normal, more data is being generated now than it was before. So it's, I mean, most definitely it is fair to say that data is the key driver for change and growth for enterprises as we go on. But with these huge barriers, how can they leverage on the real data itself? The short answer is they cannot. And even if they do, it takes so much time that it makes their jobs and lives miserable and more and more difficult. With synthetic data, as Gartner Report mentioned, moving forward, training AI models Synthetic data is the only viable option where you can balance this trade-off of utility and privacy to meet your business objectives. And we at Better Data are very well positioned to solve these for the enterprises. I personally feel synthetic data is definitely the future. And we definitely need better data for better future. So I think synthetic data has a long way to go. And 
to be successful in data and digital transformation and machine learning and AI, there is a huge dependency as well as a lot of key things which synthetic data will be required to achieve, which is very important. So I think better data for better future. Thank you, Zer. Thank you, Kevin. It was lovely talking to you. I really enjoyed my discussion with you. Thank you. Likewise, Sachin. Yeah, it was an amazing conversation. Thank you for having us, Sachin. You have been listening to your host, Sachin Tonk, on Making Data Speak. Always remember that this is your podcast and you can contribute to the topics and themes. I'm very hungry to hear from you to make this journey of making data speak a success. So please leave your comments and views on LinkedIn, Facebook, or on my website, sachintong.com. We will be back with a brand new episode in the next two weeks. If you like what you heard, don't forget to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen.